Good morning. How is everyone? Hope you feel better than I do. Is my microphone turned on? Is it? Okay. Maybe I'm just not as loud as I normally am. I don't like that. But, but anyways, it's good to be here. And uh, uh, Christmas season is upon us, right? Uh, if you if you went went shopping last Friday, you'll know that that everybody is excited about Christmas, but they seem to be a lot of them excited for the wrong reason. Did you know that? I mean, I like to get gifts, I really do, my wife knows that, and and she always does real good at Christmas, but we need to understand and realize that this Christmas season, we need to be celebrating the right thing. We need to be celebrating the, the birth of our Savior from a virgin, and so this morning, I'm going to preach to you from the book of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah chapter number 9. Isaiah chapter 9, if you will find Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6, and stand to honor the reading of God's word, please. Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6, if you're there, say amen. Isaiah said this, this is a prophecy. He says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, upon His kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. God, I thank you for each one that's gathered here. Lord, I just pray that you would bless them for their effort of coming out. God, I just pray that you would touch me this morning. Lord, I, I feel physically weak. God, I just pray that you would be glorified. And God, that in my weakness, you would be made strong. Lord, I just pray that you would, Lord, let the Holy Spirit move upon this audience this morning, upon this congregation, God, and, and that you could let them realize that you sent your son to be more than a baby. God, I just pray that you would help us. Lord, guide us today. Use me as your vessel. Lord, give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Before I preach this morning, I will tell you that we've got some good folks in this church. Do you agree with that statement? We really do. And, and uh, I was walking down the hall this morning and uh, I, uh, just in passing, I, if you can tell, I'm a little under the weather and I kind of refuse to shake hands with most people. Don't get offended. I just don't want you to, I don't want to share what I have. Amen. And so I just looked at Terry Chaffin. He was walking down the hall and I said, I would give a dollar if I could have a menthol cough drop right now. And, uh, and, and so Terry said, brother, it'll be taken care of. And about 10 minutes later, he knocked on my, my office door and handed me a pack of menthol cough drops. What a blessing that is. And my, my former pastor told me one time, he said that the average attention span of, of somebody that's listening to preaching is about the same as, as the length of time that it takes a cough drop to melt. Did you know that? That's an interesting statistic, isn't it? And so I'm going to set this cough drop right here on the pulpit. When it gets finished melting, then I'll stop preaching. How's that sound? <laughs> Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6, the prophet Isaiah it's talking about something that he, he really doesn't have a, a really good understanding of what he's saying. And I like to read prophecy, but sometimes prophecy can get confusing. 
And we understand that. But the prophet Isaiah is telling us, he says, For unto us a child is born. And, and I'll get to that in just a minute. But, but I want you to understand that there were, there were 55 prophecies in the Old Testament that Jesus was coming. The, the Old Testament prophets told us 55 times in just the Old Testament that Jesus was coming. And we have so many facts about how he would come and when he would come and where he would come and all this. And, and I have just a few of them up here. And as Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1 tells us of his lineage. It's Isaiah 11 1 says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The first thing you need to understand that that prophecy was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1, verse number 1. In the very first verse of the New Testament, it says that Jesus came from the lineage of David. So we can put a big check mark by that prophecy. Amen. We can say that prophecy was fulfilled. The Bible says in Micah chapter 5, verse number 2, Micah somebody you don't hear a lot of, but he had a prophecy about Jesus. He says, but thou... Bethlehem, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, among the thousands of villages in Judah. He says, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. So the second prophecy, and like I said, there's, there's numerous prophecies, but the second one I want to bring out to you is that he was born in Bethlehem. So we find that that was not an accident. That wasn't something that Micah just dreamed up on his own. But in fact, did it come true? Yes, it did. So we can put a big check mark next to that, can't we? Prophecy fulfilled. The third one that we have here is back to the book of Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give unto you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. A virgin shall conceive. Now if there's any of these things that would be really hard to, to pull off, I would say it was that one, wouldn't you? I mean, it's not hard to, to go to a certain town, and, and I guess it's not that hard to, to just happen to be born in the right family, but for a virgin to conceive is an impossibility. Absolutely impossible, but yet God made it happen. You find in Luke chapter 2 that Mary was a spouse to Joseph, and I may preach from that next week, I don't know, but we all know and, and we should understand that Jesus fulfilled that prophecy, amen? You can put a check mark next to that one, and there's numerous other ones that he would come out of Egypt and all these things that Jesus fulfilled. And all these things that we read here are about the circumstances of Jesus' birth. They're outside factors. They have to do with his mother. They have to do with the location. They have to do with his family. But I want you to understand that the message and the sermon today is about not Jesus' outside circumstances of his birth, but actually the prophet Isaiah prophesied who Jesus would be. Not just where he would come from and not these other things, but Isaiah, God went so far as to reveal to the prophet Isaiah the true characteristics, the attributes of Jesus himself. And so we find in, in, in this chapter, chapter 9 and verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. Was that fulfilled? Absolutely. 
You know where that was fulfilled at? John chapter 3, verse number 16. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his son. It's that simple. And what does Isaiah chapter number 9, verse 6 say? Unto us a son is given. You can check that one off too, can't you? But Isaiah 9.6 tells us that. It doesn't just say that he is going to be given to us. It tells us about how he is going to be and what he is going to do. And it says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now a lot of the Old Testament folks and a lot of the priests interpreted this as the fact that Jesus was going to come and he was going to overthrow the Roman government or the government of the time, whoever it may be, who was oppressing God's people. And he was, going to, he was going to just sit on the throne with power. They misinterpreted that verse. The government that they served under at that time was the Mosaic Law. And that was the government that God's people had. That was how God governed his people. God governs his people. Did you know that? Without government, there is absolute chaos. I know that government sometimes may seem like it's not such a blessing, but government is required, and God is a fan of government. Now, I'm not saying God's a fan of political parties and people corrupting it and all that, but I am saying that God governs over his people. And it says that the government shall be upon his shoulders, that he will carry the weight of the government, that everything that, that will have to be done will be on Jesus. And so now, thankfully, we serve under a different government of God, and that is the government of grace. God governs us with grace. He governs us with mercy. We come to Him by faith. And how is that all made possible? Because it's on the shoulders of Jesus. It's not found anywhere else. You can't go anywhere else and find what we have other than straight to the source of Jesus Christ Himself. And so Isaiah tells us several hundred years, about 500 years before Jesus was even thought of who he was going to be and what he was going to do. And the first thing that it says in Isaiah chapter 6, verse number, or chapter 9, verse 6, it says that his name shall be called Wonderful. That Jesus will be wonderful, that he will be the best thing that's ever happened to humanity. I would say he has been. Don't, wouldn't you agree with me? Jesus is absolutely wonderful. He is extraordinary. He is above all other things. And Isaiah told us that he would be. It, it shouldn't be a surprise to us or come as a surprise. Hey, Jesus is better than everything else. But yet sometimes we don't act like he is. We don't, you know, we don't render unto him the worship that he deserves for simply being wonderful none of us I, I would dare say in this room are wonderful amen now I appreciate what Terry did for for that that, that cough drop right there and that thing is still not melting do y'all believe that we're gonna have to get on with this thing but I bet you I could ask sister Stacy is, is brother Terry wonderful all the time and I don't know if Terry's in here I think he may be in the hall but she would probably tend to, to disagree that Terry's all the time wonderful why? Because we have that, that fallen nature in us. We're not, we're not wonderful. We're not extraordinary. We're not above anyone, but he is. And he was, and he still is to this day, sitting at the right hand of his Father. And he is still wonderful. Why? Because he is making intercession for you and me. 
Nobody else could fulfill the prophecy of that wonderful nature. No other human being in history could come and, and just, just fulfill that title to the T except for Jesus himself. It says that he will be called wonderful. And I'll move on quickly. And it says after that that he shall be called wonderful. And then it says he shall be counselor. Counselor. What is a counselor? It's somebody that gives you advice. Now the thing about a counselor is, and you've got to understand this, is a counselor does not make up your mind for you. Do they? Some of you younger folks that are in college and have been to college, you know about academic counselors. And there's counselors that try to advise you, hey, you're good at this, maybe you should look into this field. Or maybe you go to an older person in the church and ask them for advice and they give you advice. But guess what? It's up to you whether you take that advice or not. That's on you. But guess who the counselor is? Jesus himself. It says that he's the counselor. If there's ever a question that you have, just go to him. Just go to him. And he can advise you. He can tell you what the right thing is. That reminds me of, of one of the attributes of God. It's called his omniscience. Or his all-knowing character. And how that Jesus came and he filled that role of being all-knowing. Jesus, you can find several examples in the New Testament of where Jesus knew things before they even got to him, right? He knew Philip and Nathaniel when they were over there. He knew everything. He would tell people their problems when they got to him. He knew how many times the woman at the well had been married. And he would give them advice. He would tell them what to do. But it was up to them, wasn't it? And Jesus came to be our counselor. What a benefit that we have. I appreciate the advice and the counsel of folks that, that preachers that have blazed the trail before me and been at this and, and folks that I have here that God's put in my life. I appreciate that. But ultimately, if I have a problem, if I have a need, why don't I just go to the one that sees the need before I even know about it? I can go to the counselor. And I can pour out my case and plead my case. And he can say, you need to do this or you need to do that but then it's up to me to heed it. Amen? It says that he shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, here's another attribute of God. The mighty God. The mighty God. The one that is more powerful than anybody else. Well, there's another attribute of God right there. Omnipotence. That God is all-powerful. That God has all power in just, in just his hand. That God created the universe that we know and the two billion stars that scientists know about that we have in our galaxy. Two billion. We couldn't, I, can't, I don't even know how they know that. But guess what? God just simply spoke them into existence. And guess who was there? Jesus was right there with him. He has all power. It wasn't that he had all power at creation and then he came and he put on human flesh and he lost some of his power. Absolutely not. Not one bit of Jesus' power was diminished when he came and he was born and put in a manger. He simply put that power under control. We find so many examples that Jesus is the all-powerful one. We know he was at creation. We know that he healed the sick and all this. But guess what? He is still the all-powerful one in your life. He has all the answers, but he also has all the power. 
if you have a problem, if you have a physical need, if, if you have whatever, Jesus, we can take our case to them and he can do whatever. Now we may not always like what he does. We may not always understand why he does what he does, but he has the power. He had the power over the grave. When Jesus died on the cross, guess what? Jesus had to surrender his life because no person was going to take it from him. There was no Roman soldier in the world big enough or bad enough to take the life of our Savior. He laid it down. He gave it up. But then in three days, guess what? The power showed up. And he rose himself up out of that grave and resurrected so that we could be saved. Can you say praise the Lord for that? He is the mighty God. And then it goes on to say, here's another one, the everlasting Father. John chapter 1, I've already told you about Matthew 1. John chapter 1, verse number 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning. Who is the Word? That is Jesus himself. And it says that Jesus, the one whose government is upon his shoulders, is the everlasting Father. I can't comprehend everlasting, can you? About the closest thing I've ever experienced to everlasting is deacons meetings. Those are pretty long. <laughs> I'm just kidding about that. But, but he's the everlasting one. I can't comprehend that. Because Jesus, he transcends time. He is not held by time. He is not accountable to time. We like to, to think about Time, time is always on my mind. Did you know that? And yours too. When I wake up in the morning, I think of all the things I have to do. And I think, do I have time for that? Do I have time? But it says that He is everlasting. He is above time. And then it's a, another attribute of God shows up that He is omnipresent. That everywhere that time has ever been, guess what? He is there. He's always been there. He's been there from one end of time, and he will be there to the other end of time. He is the everlasting Father. What a blessing that is, because life is so short. We think of our lives some 70, 80, 90 years is a long time. But Jesus has been alive for, forevermore. From, from one, as far that way as you can think about to as far that way as you can think about to eternity, Jesus has been that means that, that he can fulfill all these other things. That he can be the counselor because he's seen it all. That he can be the, the mighty one because he's done it before. That he can, he can, he's been wonderful all that time. He is above time and he's the only one that ever could be. And then lastly, we see another title. And this is probably my favorite title. It says here, at the, the last four words, it says that he is the prince of peace. He is the prince of peace. And I thought about that and I looked it up and I thought, what, does, what, did, the, what did Isaiah mean when, when he wrote down that word? Because we don't, Isaiah didn't write the word prince, obviously, right? We know that the Bible was translated from Hebrew. And Isaiah wrote down that word with this in mind, that he is the captain of peace. That he is the one that is over Peace, that he controls peace. And then I thought about peace for a while, and, and a few, few weeks back we discussed it in Wednesday night Bible study. And there's two kinds of peace 
that you need to know about. There's the peace of God. There's a peace that only Christians have. There's a peace that, that when everything else is falling apart, they're okay. Why? Because God is on their side. Because Jesus is there fulfilling all these other characteristics. He is the Prince of Peace. But I want you to understand this. I think everybody wants the peace of God, don't they? In this world of chaos that we live in, and it is chaotic, it's absolutely chaotic, everybody likes a little peace, don't you? you know, I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I live in, I live in a house with, with two kids that are under the age of five. There's not a lot of peace to be found at my house, just to be honest with you. And some of you that have, have had five-year-old kids can say amen right there, can't you? And some of you that are going to have kids, you got it coming. But, but every once in a while, in, in all that chaos, I just have to go somewhere and I just have to sit down. And, and I'll tell you where I, I like to do it at is in our prayer sanctuary, in the prayer room across the hall over there. I'll go in there when I'm here by myself some days and I'll just shut the door and have the music on and, and just clear my mind of everything else and what happens when the chaos stops and when you forget about all the bills and, and all the things that you've got to do and, and all the, the things on the calendar and you just move that out of the way for a minute, guess what's still there? The peace of God. It's still there. See, the devil, he, he wants us to take our minds off of the peace of God. He would love nothing more than for us to just forget about it sometimes. In fact, he throws things our way to make us forget about it. To make us forget it. But if you're a born-again child of God, you have that peace in you. You may have to look for it. You may have to kind of peel some things away and trim some things out of your life. But the peace of God is there. And guess who's the prince of it? Jesus. But you can't have the peace of God without peace with God. What is peace with God? Well, see, when man sinned, I, I, don't, I don't understand it when I read Genesis chapter 3, how that Adam and Eve, just, they, they had it made, didn't they? They lived in true peace. They had a peaceful place to live. and They had everything going for them. But when sin came on the scene, there was a, a division put between God and man. And man... Became, became at enmity with God. He became at odds with God. That sin in our life puts us as God's enemy. And you think, well, how can you be the enemy of God? Well, the Bible says so. It says that, that we are as far away from God as we can get, that there's a gulf between us. And that the only way that you can have that peace with God is, guess what? Through Jesus it's going to come no other way. As I said, everybody is looking for peace. Everybody wants peace, don't they? I mean, they really do. Lost people, atheists and, and agnostics and Hindus and Muslims and all these folks in these categories that we throw people into are ultimately looking for peace. But there's only one place it can be found, and that's in Jesus. That's through His precious blood that was shed on a cross for our sin is where you can find the peace of God or have peace with God and find the peace of God. 
If you know anything about the character of Jesus, if you've read the New Testament at all, you'll understand that you can go through those attributes of Jesus right there and you could put a big check mark next to him, couldn't you? You could say, yes, he is wonderful. Yes, he is the counselor in my life. Yes, he is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. And he is the Prince of Peace. Jesus came and he fulfilled every one of these things that Isaiah said. Went above and beyond anything that we could ever think of or anything that Isaiah could have prophesied. Jesus went above and beyond that. Amen. So I'm going to cut it kind of short this morning, but I want you to understand that Jesus is, is so many things to us. And we need not forget that. We don't need to get caught up in, in things and material things and Christmas trees and snowmen and, and all this stuff. Some of you like it, some of you don't. But even if you don't, you need to like the fact that the Savior, that Jesus himself came in the form of a baby put on flesh, humbled himself, and was born so that he could be all these things to you. As the piano player and the song leader come, let's pray. God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for all that you do. God, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus. And the Lord, he humbled himself and came as a baby. One of the most innocent, fragile things that we know of. That the, the mighty Father, the mighty one, put on flesh and came and fulfilled every single word. God, I just pray that, that every Christian in here would understand that Jesus is all these things and far more to us. That he's wonderful. Lord, I thank you for that. But God, if there's anybody lost in the house, they need to understand that he is the Prince of Peace, that He is the Captain. He's the one, the Overseer of Peace. And that they can have that peace this morning, that all the turmoil and all the, the things in life, the confusion and the chaos and all these things can be put to rest if they just accept Jesus. How simple it is, but yet we make it so complicated. Father, I just pray that you would touch people this morning. Thank you, Lord.